The Press Pass on WKXL is presented by the Prescription Center, where the health of you and your family comes first. Check out either of their two locations, one at the Concord Hospital Campus, the other 125 North Main Street. The Prescription Center will also deliver your prescriptions to you free of charge. That's the Prescription Center, where the health of you and your family comes first. This is the Press Pass with Chris Ryan. This is where you hear unique conversations with the best athletes, coaches, and general managers in sports. I think you appreciate each and every one. Uh, each and every one is special in their own way. And I play with two guys that uh, they were on top of their game on a nightly basis, and people get spoiled. You know, they they saw Manny, they saw David, so they they start taking people for granted. Uh, opportunity for me. I know I need to help my team now, so you know, the better I play, the better it'll be for us. I think it's uh, one of the most important things is focus and consistency. Tom Brady calls it a career. The Super Bowl matchup is set. Brian Flores with some serious allegations against the league and Bill Belichick implicated in that. Also, checking in on the Bruins. This is the Press Pass. I am Chris Ryan. Thanks so much for being with us. Tom Brady, it seemed like, was going to retire, not retire, then did, in fact, retire earlier this week. Brady uh, had an announcement made for him, basically, by ESPN reporting that Brady was going to retire. And then Brady went on podcast with Jim uh, Gray, said that he wasn't going to make up a decision about it, and then made a decision about it uh, via Instagram the next day. Brady, in that Instagram post, did not mention the New England Patriots once. Bob Kraft reportedly angered by that. Didn't stop Bill Belichick from putting out a glowing statement calling Brady the greatest NFL player ever. But a lot of Patriots fans were hurt about this. So decided to bring on right now the voice of New England Patriots. He is Bob Sosi. Bob, how are you? Hey, Chris. I'm great. Good to be with you. Good to be with you as well. So let's start with this. Uh, I mentioned it earlier in kind of an assessment of where our society is at this point, where we get stuck in the details and don't necessarily look at the big picture. And for all of yesterday, I heard friends and saw social media where people were talking about how Brady did this. And he didn't mention the Patriots. He did it on Instagram after 12 hours earlier saying he was undecided and how the retirement ended up coming about. And some people even say, no, I don't even like Brady anymore. Like It's crazy how people um, get swayed by one particular moment. I do understand the details of this and the significance, but um, what were your thoughts on how Brady handled this? And does it, in fact, have an impact? impact on how think you think fans will remember and view him? Well, I think it probably will for many uh, have lasting effects. I think for some it will be more fleeting. I certainly understand why people feel that way uh, with the omission of the Patriots in his long statement yesterday. Not that I share necessarily those feelings myself uh, from my own experiences and how I've processed everything that's revolved around Tom and his decision-making the last couple of years. But to your first question regarding how it was handled, I think it was it was handled poorly uh, on a number of fronts, and not just because of the statement yesterday and uh, the hard feelings that have resulted from it, but to have word leaked out before Brady was mm-hmm. able to contact the Bucks, and and I think that's probably part of the reason why I thought initially, as I read that statement, that my sense or my guess was that 
you know, maybe you went so overboard uh, in, in singling out the Bucks, and you know, he certainly uh, was effusive with his praise and appreciation for the Bucks, because Tom, contrary to, to really actions of his in the past, he left the Bucks not only in limbo; he, he kind of left them hung out to dry in, right. in respect with with the word of his retirement being leaked out before he had a chance to call Bruce Arians and Jason Light and inform the team himself. So they learned about it, basically, it seems to be, from Adam Schefter and Jeff Darlington of ESPN. And I think, you know, in an effort maybe to try to patch things up there, uh, obviously it created uh, some hard feelings here in New England. I do, though, from my own experience, I look back and say, he said goodbye to the Patriots two years ago. Mm-hmm. And I said goodbye to Tom Brady as the Patriots quarterback two years ago. I have rooted for him. I've appreciated everything that he's done during his career in the NFL, and certainly especially the seven seasons that I had the great opportunity and privilege of calling his games. But when, when Tom made the decision to leave, you know, for me at that point, I guess I was able to professionally and, and somewhat personally distance myself. Say, He's a nice guy, and I really enjoyed calling his games, and I really have a full appreciation for what he's done for me and my family. I've Mm -hmm. had a chance to call three Super Bowls, and uh, the the organization has been gracious enough to give me three Super Bowl rings, all made possible because of Tom Brady. But as I've said to other people, you know, as much as I appreciate his contributions, I try to do that with everybody who's been a part of all those teams. Yeah, and in trying to rationalize the Instagram statement, you know, everyone would have been fired up if he had just given a couple lines to Belichick and the organization as well. If he didn't go in great detail the same way or even more so than the Bucks within the st- within that statement, it would have been problematic for him. Um, and I also think that this is this obviously still has a number of chapters to be written. There is the strong likelihood that Brady retires as a New England Patriot, and even if he doesn't do that, his number is going to be retired. He's going to be back next year. There's going to be a lot of closure on the Patriots aspect of his career. But I think that you're right. I mean, he was kind of crossing the T's and dotting the I's on the Bucks situation because not only did he catch them, definitely blindside them, but then he he basically lied to them, you know, in reaching out to them on Saturday saying he hadn't made up his mind, and then there's the podcast, and then there's, you know, the announcement shortly after after that. So Brady was in a lot of, kind of in dire straits trying to get through this this process in a way that, that made sense, and I don't know what his intentions were initially, but it got very messed up and you know he did he did uh, tweet about the patriots yesterday but I, I did find that to be you know somewhat surprising but again the final chapter in my view is is still yet to be written yeah you know chris i i tend to agree with that i think you know obviously there, there were mistakes made and uh you know when i look at tom and what he has said more recently about the patriots i think maybe that could add to the surprise of a lot of people because it seemed right. as though he had patched things up with him and Bill after the game in October. Uh, certainly, he's talked very fondly of his experiences in New England, and and you know, and there is a bit of revisionism certainly with the the, the man in the arena series. If mm-hmm. you've watched the documentary series on ESPN Plus, uh, Brady has in various episodes talked about how he wanted to stay here in New England. This was his home, it's where his kids were born, and and uh, he, how he was ready to make a commitment. Um, you know, to, to remain a patriot, uh, but you know that the, those words, you know, they're lost on a lot of people today because of what was was left out of that statement. 
yesterday. I, I kind of find the you know the notion of social media. There are a lot of benefits in that now fans have direct access to mm-hmm. athletes in some respect, and the athletes can control their own messaging. But you know, to me, uh, in, in the effort to craft a statement, and you have to have your social media team aligned on the same page. Yep. You have to find the team in the league. And then there was a press conference, yep. and then they could take questions and speak. And in, in the effort to control the messaging yep. and to do it on his terms, you know, unfortunately, I think now there needs to be a press conference for him at some point in time where he can speak to you know, what we've been discussing here in these last few minutes. Yeah, I agree, and it's, it's really unfortunate because we know who – Brady is and what he has accomplished and to be having this conversation as opposed to a strictly this is who he was as a quarterback conversation is not you know is not productive really for for anybody in in my view and I think a lot of this will will be forgotten over the course of time but right now this is something that is really felt and that Patriots fans are you know certainly wondering about and in conclusion on on Brady, um, you mentioned the three Super Bowls that you had the privilege to call and the three Super Bowl rings. And uh, during the early portion of Brady's career, I got to cover three Super Bowls. And I was certainly thinking about that when he was retiring. Um, the aspect of his career where you can break it down into three specific um, areas. And in those seven-year time frames, you have Hall of Fame careers in each of those time frames. Uh, to me, is one of the most magnificent things about him. Going to 10 Super Bowls in 22 years. But, you know, the calmness which he executed late drives in games and the uh, the competitiveness of Brady will always stand out to me and you know, just the, the sheer amount of work and time frame in which he did it is absolutely uh, amazing it, it will not be seen again um, in an area of an era of parody Brady was able to defy it himself yeah it's interesting Chris no doubt about it he really won Super Bowl championships three each with different generations of teammates I think about the first three whereas Tom Brady grew up his teammates watched him grow up as a right. kid the last three were with teammates who watched him while they were growing up as kids. You yeah. know, it's, it's pretty amazing when you think about it. And, you know, your earlier point is, is you started that question and statement. John Uptick, of course, wrote the famous essay, Hub Fans Bid Kid Adieu. And I know we're in a different era of sports talk radio and social media. But remember, Ted Williams did not come out and answer the, uh, the, the, the request of fans at Fenway Park. It was a small crowd for his yep. final game as the Red Sox at home. Uh, and, and Updike had the famous line, gods do not answer letters. Well, eventually, obviously, Ted Williams uh, was forgiven uh, here. And, and uh, you know, he's thought of a lot more folly in New England today than maybe some might have looked at him in, in, in those early minutes after his unwillingness to come out uh, for a curtain call. And I wonder, you know, how how in this age, you know, people will look at Tom Brady with that statement that yesterday, and, and the omission, of course, the hard feelings that resulted from it. Absolutely, Bob. As always, thanks so much, and we'll chat again soon. Right. All right, Chris. My pleasure. Thanks. The other big story in the NFL surrounding Brian Flores with an explosive lawsuit against the league alleging discrimination in hiring practices and using Bill Belichick's text as a smoking gun in that. And that's certainly a story that we're going to continue to follow for you. Let's take a look at the Bruins now. As the Bruins are in the playoffs, as things sit, they played 43 games here at the All-Star break, and they have 
55 points. They're nine points the good. So playoff spot is looking very solid for the Bruins right now, looking to still move up the standings, which remains a possibility. Not sure how high they'll get in the Atlantic Division, but they could uh, at least get up to the third spot, and uh, we'll see if they could possibly get higher than that. But Florida and the Tampa Bay Lightning are having tremendous years. It'll be difficult for the Bruins to catch them. One of the reasons the Bruins have been able to turn things around and going from a team that was on the brink of not making the playoffs to a team that most likely will it's with the scoring of David Pasternak. Pasta has 14 goals in his last 15 games. I spoke with him after the Bruins' 3-2 victory over the Seattle Kraken. Hey, Pasta, obviously you know, the last month's been strong for another two goals uh, tonight. What's What stood out to you about the way you've been able to shoot the puck over that time, getting the puck on net? And also, how does Taylor push you to be better You know, in, in all three zones? Yeah, definitely, you know. Uh, it, He's a great player, and and uh, we all know that. And you know, we're finding some chemistry uh, better and better. Getting to, we're starting to know each other way better. You know, uh, after a little while, and and uh, you know, for him, I, he's unbelievable finding me. You know, I, but he's finding me so much that even I tell him sometimes we should shoot. <laughs> but uh, don't get me wrong, I love. But he's looking for me. You know, and and uh, I look for him to be honest. So. Uh, you know, this month was my goals going in, you know, uh, next time it's going to be somebody else. But uh, overall, I, I think, you know, I started hitting in that uh, a lot more than than uh, earlier in the season. Uh, I was picking corners, you know, and it was going wide. Uh, so came back a little bit, just starting the hitting net and, you know, pucks, pucks went in. Also talked with Bruins forward and individuals been playing with Pasta over those 15 games, Taylor Hall. Past and I probably have to do a better job of managing pucks through the neutral zone and then in the D zone, um, stopping and, and being a, a, you know, a tad more reliable, but overall those, those two guys have been, been great to play with whoever it is. I think Hall is a guy that can really, um, play with speed through the middle and then no six, uh, a guy that gets his stick on a lot of pucks defensively. And then through the neutral zone, you know, you never really see him bobble a puck or, or do something like that. So. Whoever it is, um, you know, there's a lot of guys in our team that are fun to play with. Hey, Taylor, you've mentioned, you know, some of the areas uh, in your own zone and also um, in the offensive zone trying to get better. But in terms of playing with with Pasta, that's obviously worked well. What are some of the areas you think that you two can grow together and what's gone well um, so far? I think, uh, you know, we want to attack and we always want to have possession of the puck, but it's important to remember there's times where, we can chip pucks to each other and, and make me, I don't want to say a safe play, but uh, I, I would call them a North play. So the puck's getting North no matter what. So I, we could probably improve there. Um, and then offensively, I mean, you know how he one times a puck and, and how dangerous he is from all areas of, of the offensive zone. Um, it's about me kind of knowing where he's going to be without having a look. And, and we've, we've talked about it, we've worked on it and we're going to continue to get better at that. So um yeah, he's an amazing player. Uh, he's a great person. And um, I, I think if we plan a line together, we can continue to improve and, and help our team that way. Bruce Cassidy frustrated with the Bruins blowing a 2-0 lead to the Kraken and allowing Seattle to get back in the game tied up at 2 before the Bruins did take a lead on the Posternock's, uh, Posternock's second goal of the game in the third period of play. I talked with Bruce Cassidy about that and also a number of other topics about the league. Hey, Butchie, you mentioned some of the inconsistency with the group being kind of vexing to you. Do you see it being something that is 
concerning or is this kind of just kind of the ebb and flow of a season type of a thing where you kind of expect this from a club you want better but you get it every now and then no we want better and then they should expect better um like i said there's the you know listen it's different guys and and we're a team um but tonight it was some guys that have been around a little bit so uh, they should know better um and 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 set examples and you know, some of them are, are younger core guys that have, you know, letters in their sweater to, you know, manage the game in front of you so that, you know, you're, you're leading in that regard. And um, so, you know, we do need to, to make sure that that message is sent. We, we try to keep people accountable here. How you message that is always a challenge with different individuals and the group. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, be accountable to the team with with how you're playing in certain situations in the game. Nobody's perfect. Uh, every team's gonna, you know, have ebbs and flows. But let's let's try to button up some of those things and and be a culture of hey, you know, we're hard. You know, we get a lead. It's gonna be tough for the other team to sort of get back. And that and and, and don't mistake that for going out there trying to win one nothing every night. That's not the case at all. It's just you know recognizing where you are in the shift, uh, what period it is in the long change when you're making puck decisions. And again, we'll keep harping on it. How do you kind of define the modern rules of um, you know, engagement where you have a couple instances, I was with Taylor Hall and then uh, the other night with Charlie McAvoy as well. And is it as clearly defined, do you think in the modern game for when you step up and do something versus you know, as it was in the past with less of those guys that are you know, solely focused on that? Well, I think there's less players that have been through it in terms of the fighting part of it. There's a lot of guys that, uh, play in the league that you know haven't fought um that's the way the game's going um whereas i think in the past that was just part of it you had to sort of cut your teeth sooner or later um and and almost without a choice i mean people grabbed you and and, and off you went so uh and there was an expectation and the game's gotten away from that um and and you get more players that are just or, or like i said they're not they haven't done it in junior they ha- certainly haven't done it in college and I think that's where it started years ago. You were 16, 17 year old kids and, and junior, and you, you sort of had to, it was almost like, if you don't, you know, you, you get a reputation of being soft, et cetera. So whether you're good at it or not, you had to do it a few times. And now these kids coming up, they, they don't, so they, they've never had any experience with it. And that's not the way it hasn't been asked of them. So, and rightfully so. Um, I mean, certain players are, are good at it. It's a skill like anything else. Uh, I don't agree with what happened like Roussel did and I just grabbing Charlie. I, I, I mean, to me, part of the the code as well is, is you know, two, two willing combatants, I think, are always the, the best situation, not a guy that's still got a glove on. Um, so to, to speak to that, I, you know, is a little tougher. You always want to protect one another. That's the thing you have to do as a team and make sure that gets done. And that has to be a team mentality. So. We try to remind guys all the time that that that's just part of it. You got to get in there, and 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 show the opposition you're going to look after one another. And, and I think every team can do that a little bit better. Um, the teams that do it the best usually end up playing hard for one another uh, and do well. And I'd like to think the Bruins over the years have been that team. Uh, this year with a lot of new people, we have to keep reminding this is who we are. This is what the expectation is. The identity of this group as compared to previous years. Do you feel it's similar based upon? The consistent aspects of your of your leadership do you feel it's a little bit different and and how often do you feel like you have to um be conscious of what the bruins overall identity is from a historical standpoint in, in building your team well yeah historically the bruins have been i mean depends which area you look at but in general they're i like to think we're blue collar hard-nosed uh 
you know, hard to play against group. I think the physicality part, the specifically the fighting part is, is left the game uh, quite a bit compared to maybe the big bad Bruins uh, from the, you know, seventies, eighties, and even the 2011 team There's just a little bit less uh, construction of that in most lineups. So, uh, but you still want to be hard to play against. Um, I think there's nights that we've, could have responded better to certain instances and other nights where we have done a very good job with it um, while keeping the, you know, time and score in, in, in mind as well. You, you know, you want to be careful. Um, you can't settle scores like you used to. You know, it's just not the way it is in the league. You get uh, disciplined fairly quickly on that. So you have to find the right moment, uh, how to push back, I think is the best way to put it. Usually if someone goes after, maybe a skill on your team, you got to do the same. You got to physically be hard on their skill. We've tried to, you know, imprint that in the guy's minds. If that happens, that's how we settle things. Obviously there's situations where, you know, you have to you know, challenge an individual, but in general, that's usually how you temper some of that stuff or, or get their attention. Um, as for identity, uh, uh, listen, we're still a good defensive team. Uh, you know, the numbers, the pure goals against might not back that up uh, on paper, but in general, we know we, we have our internal statistics, how we're doing in that regard, and we're, we're still defending very well. I think offense came around. We want to be a, you know, a two-headed monster where you can, you, know, you can certainly win games where you need to score goals uh, if some are going in your net. But in general, we want to be a team that checks well, keeps it out of our net, makes it hard on teams. So I think that's been inconsistent at the start, but much better. I'll take out the Dallas game uh, of late um, in the month of January specifically. Um, you know, where we're trying to build that in. Uh, special teams have been solid. Um, so that, you know, that's part of uh, what we've done well here for the last five, six, seven years. Maybe even before that, I'll, I'll just use our tenure. Uh, and we want to make sure we're, we're all those things. So uh, where are we with that? Well, we're, we're working on it. We're still a, a team that's over 600 hockey, which is usually a mark of a good team in the NHL. Uh, obviously, we want to strive to be a very good team and an elite team. We have the second half of the year to do that, and that's certainly our, our goal. That's Bruins head coach Bruce Cassie. Now let's do some skiing here on the show. Head over to Pat's Peak as we continue to explore the Granite States and check in some of uh, our best skiers. Ryan, checking in on the snow across the great state of New Hampshire. And for skiers, actually the best spot was at Pat's Peak this past Sunday. They had the most snow in the state with eight inches. We're joined by Harrison, who's a photographer, videographer up here. We're going to talk about uh, the snowfall as well as what the season's been like here at Pat's Peak and the only Henniker on earth. Harrison, how are you? Good. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you. Uh, so let's start with this. The storm, eight inches, a little bit less than what people thought. But as I said, the way the storm worked out, this was actually the best spot for the best powder uh, on Sunday. Yes, powder was nice and light all morning, and um, since we had some uh, winds move through throughout the day yesterday, it actually blew us some, some deep pockets throughout the mountain as well. You can find up to a foot, foot and a half in some spots. That's one of the best things is like skiing and trying to find that fresh powder. We got here a little bit after the open, so you try to find that fresh powder wherever you can off to the sides, as you mentioned, with the wind blowing it about, it's pretty easy to, to find. From a photography standpoint, like what's a day like this like for you when you go out and it's a crystal clear day, got a lot of skiers, snowboarders here. What are you looking to, to shoot and what are some of the best like, scenes you'll find on a day like this? Um, I'm looking to find some good pockets of this nice bluebird day we have here today. And I, when I go out and shoot, I like to uh, capture everything that's going on in the mountain, all skill levels, all, all disciplines. Um, so I'm mainly looking for some really good um, wide-angle scenes that I can capture everything that's going on here at Pat's Peak. 
So you mentioned eight inches of snow this past storm. It feels like there's been less snow than usual this year. Has that been what you found here at uh, the mountain? Um, what I've found over um, the past four to five years is it's not that we're getting much less snow. It's that the snowstorm schedule is kind of shifting towards the later half of the season versus um, that first month or two that we've been used to for the past couple of decades. That's a really good point because I remember having this kind of same conversation the last couple of years where it feels like you know, December, January, there's not a lot of natural snow, and then you'll see February and March will really start to, to pile up. And it's interesting, you know, from a weather standpoint and studying that, um, great place to do that is in the mountains of the ski areas to get an idea as to what may be happening in regard to climate change. Um, I wanted to ask you a little bit about what the, the season's been like in terms of volume as well. Uh, obviously, it's still a COVID environment, Omicron variant and so forth. Has that affected things or you've noticed that more people are wanting to get outdoors and do this type of thing? Well, um, as far as the COVID goes, we have done a, a great, great job here Um having practices in place that people are not comfortable going into any base lodges. We have all amenities such as ticket booths as well as food options completely outdoors and contactless. Um, the COVID, uh, the COVID variant going around the Omicron variant hasn't affected much sales at all. Um, we've kept the reservations in place actually just to make sure that we, we can give the best experience to everyone. So, um, you got to make sure to go online, reserve your spot, come on out and enjoy the snow. All right, a great time up at Pat's Peak. I am Chris Ryan. Coming up on the Press Pass next week, we'll look a little bit more at the Celtics. They've been playing well as of late, as have the Bruins. A little more on the Celtics coming up for you on the Press Pass next week. I am Chris Ryan. Have a great rest of the weekend, everybody.